Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Hashtag ODPH if you're on the social media. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And triumphantly returning from Las Vegas, <laughs> scouting <laughs> the Summer League of the NBA. Coming that. at you like a home run from Vlad Guerrero Jr. Absolutely. It's your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Guys, adulting is hard, but it's good to be back. But you've been out to Vegas. You've kind of seen what the feel is of the NBA right now because the pulse of sports world is focused solely on the National Basketball Association. And dare I say, there hasn't been a bigger story in all of sports than yet again another massive trade happening in the NBA. Mm -hmm. This offseason has been wild, to put it mildly. I like what Dwayne Wade – I think Dwayne Wade put it best, of course – Fans, sports fans will remember last year, uh, Dwayne Wade did much like you see in uh, football or soccer overseas where uh, popular players swap jerseys. Dwayne Wade, last year, he's swapping jerseys with some of his favorite players. Uh, I like what he said on Instagram. You know, people are going to look at my jersey collection and think it's bootleg with all these trades going around. It does make you wonder. Yeah, he put it perfectly. It's true. <laughs> but dare I say, no bigger story than Russell Westbrook leaving Whoa. Oklahoma City to join the Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. Pad, you got the details on the trade? I do, and my God, you know, I didn't think the Oklahoma City Thunder could come away with any more picks, but mm, they found a way. Uh, of course, they are swapping Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul, and in exchange, uh, there is going the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder are getting a 2024 first-round pick, uh, which is a protected 1-4 through four pick, 2026 first-round pick, protected 1-4 through four pick, 2025 swap one through 20 protected and a 2021 swap protected one through four and okc has the option to swap uh the clippers pick or the heat pick coach you have returned to the studio what is your thoughts on this deal i mean i was really surprised obviously with the uh paul george trade happening the week before you obviously knew mm -hmm. Russ it was only yeah. a matter of time yeah. for Westbrook to be gone so you know it was one of those things of where is he going to go I came around to the idea of coming having Russ, Russell Westbrook come to the Knicks mm -hmm. I know he they were one of the teams that was in the talks you know what they would have had to given up I don't know if I necessarily would have been okay with that but anyway I was coming around to that idea then the Heat obviously were in talks for it too that they just didn't have anything. They didn't have any picks like no, Houston did. No. And, and Houston went all in. And they're not going to go all the way. <laughs> I mean, this this is tough. The, from the offensive standpoint, the team already runs enough isolation set that James Harden's usage percentage, which means basically plays ran for him, was 40% last year, which is the highest in the NBA ever since the stat has been kept for usage. That's the highest that it's ever been. So now you're talking about a, a point guard, a ball dominant point guard, who I know you know can get triple doubles out the wazoo and can do all those things, and you know average ten assists last year or two years ago. But this is a different system. This isn't going to be a pick and roll system. This isn't traditional D'Antonio offense where it is based on the pick and roll. This is James Harden isolating up top, and if you're going to put Russell Westbrook in a position where he's got to shoot 
he doesn't score at a high enough clip for three point percentage that it's like this makes sense. You know, it, it it's a difficult position for him to go into. I personally thought the right trade would have been for Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I thought that Ben Simmons in that system could have worked because not only is he pretty good defensively, but if he can drive and, and isolation sets, he can get James Harden open. Now, Russell Westbrook can do the same thing, but he ran a lot of pick-and-roll sets with Steven Adams. Now he doesn't have that. He's got Clint Capella, but then again, that takes the ball away from James Harden. This is a very interesting move, to say the least, and this is coming off the heels of the huge move the Los Angeles Clippers did, prying Paul George out of Oklahoma City and sending him to join Kawhi Leonard now in the Mm -hmm. whole revamped Clippers offense. This is very interesting to see that Westbrook, who one could assume that we all thought he was going to be a lifelong Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, you would think. I mean, but then going into the offseason, things definitely seem like, eh, they might not be as cozy as we think. Well, that's the thing. This offseason, I think if there's been one underlying theme is you really can't predict what everybody's thinking. It's almost like, you know, going back when you were watching the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, nobody's safe. It's a very fair statement. Well, would, the problem was, too, is that when he signed that max extension two years ago, nobody thought that he was going to sign that extension. Right. I mean, no, and nobody thought OKC would offer that. And all of a sudden, they came with that five-year deal at the super, super max. Yeah. And you were like, all right, he's going to be here for a long time. And then, obviously, there was more dissension than we realized. Right. And that's kind of the thing that surprises me a little bit was, to me, you know, the outside looking in, not being an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, but just being kind of a casual NBA fan, no matter what's gone on and no matter, like, the trials and tribulations that team has had from – you know, just having Kevin Durant to when they had Harden and Russell Westbrook, and then when it was just Durant and Russell, and then it was just Russell, and then, you know, the whole you know, lineage. He always seemed like the guy that, no matter the trials and tribulations, he might not be happy, but he wasn't, like, super pissed off about it. But maybe that was just how he is as a person, and he can just kind of keep it guarded and close to the chest. To me, he always struck me as a guy that was going to be like a lifelong OKC. Yeah, I was under that impression, too. And I know I talked to Nostradamus uh, off air about this, and he was under the impression, too. I mean, shocked, to say the least, Oklahoma City fans had to be about this. Just to see the team just slowly get dismantled, and then they're rebuilt for the future, but the future is going to be a a while away. Right, and the even wilder thing with this whole story is the trade details come out, and Westbrook was at like some comedy club in Oklahoma City someplace doing one of his pop-up comedy shows. When this the whole thing is going on, yeah, it's very in- interesting. Like I said, just on how all this went down, because like I said, I never thought we'd see Westbrook leave Oklahoma City. Right. Well, I mean, I know we discussed it last week, but I think you and I are both in the back of our heads are like, all right, we can entertain the idea, but we didn't think it was going to happen. Right. Well, I the, the think the the deal was going to be okay. If you were going to move Westbrook, you had to do it before the season start. Right. right. You could not do it during mid season or right after Christmas when the trade deadline starts right. happening. Yeah. You had to move him early, and I thought the Knicks would have been a prime ideal place because obviously with the backlash of not having a quote-unquote superstar playing in the garden this season, the Knicks were under some pressure to make some moves. Right. But I feared that if they were going to make a move, they were going to do a Carmelo Anthony 2.0 type trade, Mm -hmm. and it was going to be more detrimental to them in the long run. Then it was going to be for the short term. Okay, we got Westbrook here. See what I read was it had to be. It was going to be some combination of Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and then the two Dallas picks. Mm-hmm. Which okay. 
I mean, I definitely don't want to part with Mitchell Robinson. I mean, Kevin Knox played great this summer league. He yeah. was lights out. I mean, when his shot was going. So, uh, you mean, from a shooting standpoint, like, obviously you don't want to lose Kevin Knox because he's still only 20, 20 years old. So, but anyway, so those that was the trade that I read. Now, my thing, and like we had texted about the other day when the t- talks were coming out, maybe the Knicks do need to get a superstar like that, though, just to show that they can treat one right. Yeah. Because that's the biggest problem right now is that with the whole Carmelo thing, yeah. you can't forget Anthony is beloved by NBA players. They right. love him. Yeah. And they treated him terribly. And I understand that that was the old regime, yeah. and Scott Perry did what he could to, to – send him to a team that could possibly win a championship and do right by him by sending him to Oklahoma City in the first place. Um, but at the same time, like the, the the stuff that happened with Phil Jackson was very real, and mm-hmm. that put a lot of bad you know jo- mojo out there for the Knicks as far as recruiting elite-level talent. So you know maybe getting Russ in here would help bring in another superstar in because they could show like, Hey, listen, not only are we the Mecca, but we can show you that we can treat you right. Right, and I think for a lot of – that's very true. You think about it, the last major big star the Knicks had was, you know, Carmelo Anthony. And for a lot of New York Knicks fans, you know, you think Carmelo Anthony's time as a New York Knick, one of the first things you might think of is like his first home appearance when he was a Knick and that standing ovation he got. For the rest of the NBA and the rest of the NBA fans, that's not going to be the case. When you when you go up to any, you know, let's just say Milwaukee Bucks fan or even like a Denver Nuggets fan or even you know maybe a Portland Trailblazers fan and go what's your memory of of Carmelo Anthony as a New York Nick a lot of them if not all of them are going to go nothing good he really didn't do anything and you look at and it's like Duffy said you I think I agree with you I think they got to bring somebody in there and just treat him right so that you kind of get that stigma you get that stink off of you like we don't want to go to New York nothing good happened like it's your career is over if you go to New York right I agree to an extent. I think they do have to eventually get a superstar in there of some sort and show and kind of get rid of the stigma that's following the Knicks right now because Dolan is still taking a lot of heat, and especially for what happened with Charles Oakley. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that is like now the curse. Right, and well, that's the other thing too. That happened too. So there's two things. One, the Carmelo situation, and then Oakley. Right, but I, I think the Oakley one weighs out a little more, in my opinion. Well, I, yeah, I, it's I, fresher. I, but I think so yeah. too, because especially players know about that situation and go, okay, do I really want to go there? And Oakley's beloved too. It's fresher, and the and the thing is, a lot of NBA players have a lot of reverence for former players, no matter who it is. Look at when the NBA Summer League was going on, and you had uh, the LA Clippers were playing, and then you had LeBron James and Anthony Davis were in attendance. They were just watching. They're, I think they were watching like every game that was going on, mm-hmm. and Jerry West was in the stands. The logo, like no, despite the fact that he's in the Clippers front office, they both went up to Jerry West and shook his hand and said, "Hey, how you doing?" Like what? that. That's true for every NBA player, though. They've got a lot of reverence and respect for foreign players, no matter who it is, no matter what play, team you played for. When you see a situation like that, it's going to rub a lot of players the wrong way. And if they if they got a chance to maybe come to New York, that's going to be fresh in a lot of their minds. Yeah, and I mean, it just so yeah, getting Russ would have been would have been nice, and I think you know what they could have complimented him with. You know, with the young R.J. Barrett, with the young, you know, well, with Joe, they probably still would have been able to get Randall and, you know, and the other moves that they would have made. I mean, that would have been a nice team in the East. Yeah, it would have been, but would the price have been too much to pay? See, that's where you have to kind of look yeah. at it, and that's where I, I think that the Knicks in this situation. Well, if it was only Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, two first-round picks, no, that's not too much. Well, that's if that was the case. Right, but, if that's the case. Because you see what Houston gave up to get him. Yeah. Well, they only gave up. 
one player in Chris Ball, mm-hmm. who they're probably going to try and repackage. Yeah, and then a bunch of first, then then so the only difference was you can't trade consecutive first round picks. So they do the swaps mm-hmm. because if the team's worse, and this is what happened in Brooklyn. Brooklyn and the Celtics did the swaps, and that's why the Nets, you know, they ended up stinking out after the whole Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. Right. That's why, you know, the, that's why the Celtics came out smelling like roses because they swapped picks instead of doing every other year. So that's, you know, that and that that's why Houston had to do what they did. So, all right, would you rather take Dallas's two consecutive first round picks, mm-hmm. or would you rather take Houston, who, yeah, okay, history shows that that team might not be very good, but. James Harden, James Harden with Russell Westbrook, even in a stacked West, is still going to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, until they retire. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. It makes sense. I'm just saying for the Knicks, though, I understand why they didn't do right. it. Oh, yeah. No, I get and, it, too. Yeah. And and that's why I say for the Knicks, though, I think they're going to have to do something with Dolan, who, I like I said, in my opinion, they have to break the, ca- the curse by having Oakley – you know, you know, a public apology, have him come out to center that's court. That's just never going to I happen. know it's not going to happen, <laughs> but that's what I say. It's going to take something like that. I mean, this is the guy who, mind you, got caught on Twitter mocking a fan and telling him he was banned from MSG oh, and said yeah. nothing. Yeah, I, so, I, and you know what? I Like I say, <laughs> I'm not defending. Yeah, no, I know you're not. But, but, yeah. that, but that's what I'm saying. It's going to take something like that to fix it because I think that that stigma and that incident with Oakley is weighing out a oh. lot more than I think maybe – Fans that are are casual fans of the of the Knicks and the Knicks media. When LeBron James, a guy not even near the Knicks organization, comes out and says what they did to Oakley was wrong, that's not a good look. That weighs volumes. Yeah, that weighs a lot and, of volumes. And a lot of players have said that they still they like LeBron like LeBron James and other players have said that they openly talk to Oakley all the time. So like he's beloved in the NBA locker room. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was a part of the big three, so he hangs around you know the players and their agents and everything. So he's still in the inner circle. Yeah, you know, he's, like he's very active amongst younger players, and the influence there is huge. Yeah. So for the Knicks, I mean, they they're gonna have to kind of address that in in some fashion. I don't know how, and I'm just saying, like, I know it's not gonna happen, but it would take Dolan bringing him to center court and publicly apologizing, right, or yeah. retiring his jersey. Yeah, it's gonna take something. Yeah. Which I say, I don't know, and I'm not gonna give a specific example, but it's gonna be something on that level. But the fact they missed out on Westbrook is not the end of the world. No. 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 But with Westbrook now going to Houston. And James Harden apparently, according to reports, being a driving force behind this happening. Yeah. Well, you could kind of tell after last season when they were bounced out of the playoffs, he said something was going to change. And he kind of – he didn't want to come out and say it, but yeah. he was saying – yeah. We need to revamp this. Well, team. I mean, there's obviously that incident with them on the sideline. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. with the, between the two of them, and then the They're reports and everything. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I like the move for Houston because not only do they get younger, but they also get a more versatile scorer in Russell Westbrook. My problem, though, is like I said, is just D'Antoni when he was with the Knicks, I killed him, and when he went to L.A. The problems were that they didn't build rosters that fit what he needed that team to do because mm-hmm. his he's there's two kinds of coaches. There's coaches that fit their style of play to the team that they have, and then there's coaches that force their fit onto the team that they have. Mm-hmm. D'Antoni's clearly that guy. Yeah, he's the latter. He puts his system on the talent that he has, whether it works or not. It happened in L.A. and it happened in New York when he had Carmelo and Kobe, who are elbow iso wing players. That's why. I mean, that's why I thought Carmelo was going to fit, you know, same with Kobe in running the triangle because it's isolation sets on the wing, which is what they like, but whatever. So the problem is that Russell Westbrook 
is a is a ball dominant point guard, and so is James Harden. So how do these guys fit together moving forward, especially with the fact that they don't have shooting around them to space the floor? Right. I agree. I don't know how this works. I, and uh, listen, I and I've come around on D'Antoni. I really I apologized so many times for people that like when I talked to him about killing him mm-hmm. when he was with New York because he is a good basketball coach. My problem is that now Houston basically has again another franchise has basically been like we don't care what system you run. This is the team that you're getting now. Deal. Right, because the projected starting lineup would be Russell Westbrook at point guard, Eric Gordon at shooting guard, uh, small forward James Harden, power forward P.J. Tucker, and then Clint Capella at center. It's an interesting lineup, but with Westbrook and Harden being, I want to say, like the alpha players. And that's not if they don't go out and get Iggy. Right. They don't get Andre Iguodala, too. I'll I'll say they would have also Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, and Tyson Chandler, among a few others, coming off the bench, too, which, you know, it's not super stellar off the bench, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, they're going to contend, and there's no question of that if they stay healthy. But the argument now becomes, all right, is there enough basketballs between Westbrook and Harden? Yeah. I, I don't see it happening. I think the one thing that we, we miss in this deal is Chris Paul is more of an assist guy. Facilitator, than absolutely. Points, and he was perfect for facilitating to Harden. I think the thing, though, is, though, with, I don't think we can look too much into this because, you know, I've we've heard this time and time again, no matter what team it is, no matter who it is, oh, are there enough balls, are there enough balls? I think if that were an issue, James Harden wouldn't have pushed for this, reuni- this reuni- reunification to happen. Well, see, they're friends, so yeah, he wants him to be there. The problem is that this isn't Scott Brooks' offense in OKC in exactly. 2006. That's, that's, that was, true. that's where I was going to go with this my is, point. This is a whole other system that now James – and James Harden's evolved as a basketball player. Remember, he was the sixth man on that team. That's mm-hmm. true. With with Durant and uh, Russ Brook when they started out. So he was coming in with the second union. His job was, you know, Harden, you're the primary ball scorer and ball handler on this second unit. Go out there and – and do whatever you need to do. Now, obviously, he was a closer, so that he did play with Durant and Westbrook, but he wasn't the first and second option. Those two were. Now, Westbrook's coming to his team. So this is a lot like when LeBron came to Miami. Mm-hmm. And that first year, when LeBron kind of deferred a lot to Dwayne Wade, and they didn't mesh right away, and then eventually it evolved to where it was LeBron's team, and Dwayne Wade deferred to him. And that's going to be the big X factor on this team because we don't know what's going to happen when they all get together. We really don't. And for Westbrook and Harden, yeah, it's nice to go back down memory lane. Like, if you really think about it, what if OKC kept those two and Durant together? It would have been wild. Would Harden have exploded into the player that he is now? I mean, it's, it's debatable, right? Yeah. It's the, it's really debatable. Yeah. He would he wouldn't evolved into this player that he is now. The drive, you know, the isolation set kind of guy. The ball, hit, you know, the the one on one put me at the top of the three point line and let me go. He wouldn't evolved into that, but he definitely would have been still scoring at a decent clip. He would have been putting up points, and he definitely would have been good. But would he have been this great? I don't know. I don't. I think he made the right move for leaving and and obviously blossoming into who he is now. Right. But now the question is, can Westbrook now adapt to that style of play? And that's going to be the big question mark. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't handle D'Antoni's system, this whole move is absolutely going to go up in smoke. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, this Maury, the Houston's general manager, has a huge investment in this trade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you had to make those moves. And to get another superstar to come, 
to Houston. Like I think they would have been better off trying to get a big man like Anthony Davis if they could have swung it and obviously get some help down. Well, low. even a Jimmy Butler would have worked too. But again, not in D'Antoni's system though. That's yeah, a but that's the thing. But again, that's why I said Ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons would have been perfect. He would have been this. perfect, but he just actually, as we're recording, he re-upped with Philly for five years. And yeah, a, and no, a, I know it wasn't going to happen. I'm just saying, like for Philly at the time and Ben and and Houston, that would have been a great swap. Chris Paul, Ben Simmons. Oh, definitely would, but I mean Philly, not to you know say pun intended, but they're trusting the process that they uh-huh. right. Well, been, not only that, but now I mean they're they've revamped their team too. They're a whole another can of worms themselves now. And we're going to get into that next segment. But for this one, though, final thoughts on the move. What Just a wild move. Another one of those I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Very interested to see how this works out. I'm actually more interested to see where OKC goes from here. Because now they have assets, just like Boston did a few years ago. They also have a very good culture there in OKC with you know both Durant and Westbrook coming out and saying that they loved being there. They loved the fans and the ownership and everything. So that's an interesting... Uh, you know, kind of thing to think about. And then what do they do with Chris Paul? Say so they got so many draft picks, they could draft the Harlem Globetrotters if they wanted to. I mean, they've got 13 right yeah. now sitting yeah. in their back pocket. So do they move them? Do they keep them? And what do they do with Chris Paul? Because well, they, they might have more first-round picks. I think that with Chris Paul, he's going to wind up leaving. I don't know where. I honestly, this would be such a Nick move. Well, he's got to, three to years left the, on that deal. I'll I know. Say, so what you're saying is, is I can put my Chris Paul OKC jersey up next to my Carmelo Anthony Atlanta Hawks jersey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You can definitely do that because, like I say, but and I like I say, I don't doubt him coming to New York. Like it would be a Knicks move uh, to get him. Yeah. As, especially with that contract. I mean, like, they tried. Houston tried before, and Knicks said no. So never say never. Like, yeah. I, I'm just saying, I I can see it, but I honestly think that he winds up going somewhere else. I don't know where, though. And that's going to be the million-dollar question of who could use his abilities. Miami, Minnesota have been teams that have come up for him. I could see Miami pulling it off, but do they have enough assets to move and, and kind of play around with? Could they get it? You know, that's that's going to be the argument. Their first-round pick's been traded more like the, you know. Right. Ugh. Like, that's what I'm saying. It could go so many different directions. The only thing I, th- I think for certain is he's not going to be playing in Oklahoma City by the mm-hmm. start of the season. I think that's probably a very fair statement to make. And as for Oklahoma City, I think you hit it right on the head. The, the city has embraced the NBA and their that team. It reminds me very much like how Green Bay embraces the Packers. Or even like a Portland, a, you know, the Trailblazers too. Yeah. They're very similar. It's a very similar fan base. They're very passionate fans. They're great fans. If you watch the games on TV, they're always into the games, and they're always fun to watch from home. Like I say, when because, you know, obviously we live in the Northeast, we – get to watch Oklahoma City once in a while, but every time they're on, the crowd is definitely giving their energy and the players mm-hmm. are reciprocating. And it's always fun to watch as a fan when you see a fan base that cares. Broadcasters always like to point out it's one of the loudest places in the NBA. Absolutely. So for them, their future is in question. But I honestly th- would trust their process with how they've built a, f- a team before. They did it with Harden and Westbrook and Durant. Can they do it again in a draft? I think so. It's going to take time, though. They're going to be having some down years, and I think they know that, the fans know that, and they're going into the seasons knowing that it's going to be maybe outside looking in for a little bit. But I think eventually they will rebound, and obviously they're going to have some draft picks to work with to make that happen sooner than later. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. You can join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. 
What is your thoughts on the Westbrook to Houston move? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the King of Lyle, Luke Visengard, Gladius 205 champion, and you're listening to the ODPH. Coming back on another segment of this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have been talking about NBA free agency, NBA trades, the summer of the NBA. It's almost the State of the Union address, and since we have him back in from Las Vegas, Coach Duffy, who's been winning, who's been losing, and obviously since the smoke is cleared, the teams are more or less set. Your picks for this upcoming season. So, I mean, I love the Clippers. My God. I mean, the defense that they will play is going to be uncanny under Doc Rivers. I mean, now he was already a good defensive-minded coach before, and that was with just Pat Beverly basically as your defensive stopper. But now you got Hartzell, you have uh, Beverly back, now you've got, you know, this guy Kawhi Leonard. You Board know, you've heard of him. Then Paul George. I mean, they literally, you can't score on them. No. Like, teams are going to be lucky to put 80 on this team. I mean, they might be lucky to put 50. I mean, legitimately, like, this is a very, very, very good offensive team. But then you look at them defensively, and then you add another maybe six or seven varies into that before you say def- good. This is like, you know, you're a kid, you're playing a sports video game, hockey, baseball, football, NFL, whatever. And, like, you trade for all your favorite players to be on your team, whatever it may be. And then, like, you go in and you mess with their stats and their and the settings and everything. And, like, you make them the best offensive, best defensive, best this, best that. And it's, like, it's almost like we're watching a video game. And, and then you talk, you still got Lou Williams off the bench. Yeah. In my opinion, the Clippers won the NBA offseason. Oh, easily. Without question. They pulled off the move of moves, getting Kawhi Leonard to leave Toronto. And, like we said on the show for many weeks, if – he was if Kawhi was going to leave Toronto, it was going to be to L.A. Obviously, though, the Lakers went all in trying to get him and could not pull it off, and the Clippers quietly did. Mm-hmm. And obviously, getting him somebody that he wanted to play with, with Paul George, out of Oklahoma City. Granted, they had to forfeit their future, but to win immediately and win now, that mentality you have. If you're a Clippers fan, you have to be ecstatic. And, it, and if you're the front office staff and you're that convinced that with the pieces you got, you can make a championship run now, you know, he who hesitates is lost. Well, and so here's my problem with the Lakers though. I mean, a lot of people have said like, if you have a, a player of that caliber, like Kawhi interested in coming to your team, you know, you have to, you know, hold out and, and wait for his decision ultimately. But at the same time, if he's weighing his decision, I think you you got to be doing what you need to be doing with LeBron in the window that he has. Oh yeah, I mean if you're if you're looking at the fact that you have an uh, an older you know thirty four year old now coming off of 15, 16 NBA seasons, yeah, there, and you there's lo- some tread in the tires. Yeah, when you look at what started to happen to Kobe at the same point in his life. I think you got to almost just say, all right, Kawhi, if you're not going to drop everything to come to us, we have to move on and look elsewhere. Because now, I mean, they traded a bunch of talent away to get Anthony Davis. A lot of key reserve and role players that they had to get Anthony Davis to begin with. So now you're looking at a depleted roster with, you know, Rajon Rondo coming back. You know Lance Stevenson on the team, and then you go back and you get JaVel McGee, and then obviously I know they got DeMarcus Cousins, which will be big. You know, unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins not been the same player that he's been previous years, and then you know you go out and get Danny Green, and so now and you keep Kuzma, 
which was big mm-hmm. because now he's the youngest player on your team. Yeah. I mean, as crazy as that is. And moving LeBron to point guard is going to help just from a, a facilitator standpoint for him. But at the same time, I mean, this is not a very good constructed roster. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, when you look at the fact that the same team that plays in the locker room two feet away from them has from one to five almost all-star level talent, and then you look at your roster, and then you see the fact that, yeah, we're good, but we have no bench. Yeah. And the Clippers have a bench. Yeah, you bring up LeBron James playing, you know, 15, 16 plus uh, NBA seasons. I got curious and looked it up. Uh, as of this recording here in July, uh, LeBron James has played 46,235 minutes of basketball in the NBA alone. Now, that's not factoring in any, right. any Olympic stuff. Yeah, so I mean, that's just, I mean, and you look at what happened to Kobe at the same time at this point in his career. Kobe's, mm-hmm. Kobe's only two, uh, what is it, uh, 2,000 more minutes ahead of him. The question here is, what is the Lakers' vision moving forward? Because you have an aging superstar, and let's be—and this is not a slight against LeBron, but let's be honest. Father time. Father time is catching on slowly but surely. Yeah. He has a lot of tread on the tires. Yeah. And it's nothing against the greatness that he's done. But to say that you're going to center everything around him and you get rid of your young and up-and-coming team, with the exception of Kuzma, right? and you give him Anthony Davis, which will help, yeah. And I'm not saying oh, yeah. it won't, but then you're just filling in with role players. DeMarcus Cousins may not be the same DeMarcus Cousins as we've known for years. Right. And, I mean, it's not so much that. It's just the fact that, you know, you could have gone like a J.J. Redick yeah. mm-hmm. would have been really good on this team. Yeah. You know, a guy like that. You need shooters. Yeah, you need shooters on this team, and you don't have anybody that can shoot at a high enough clip. I mean, Danny Green is nice, but he's not... You know, I just teams I, are not game planning for. Yeah, right. when I'm sitting right. here and I'm thinking about the fact that you got Anthony Davis on the block, you got Boogie doing whatever he's going to do, and LeBron playing point, and then you know you got Danny Green. You know, right? I'm just I like, mean, it, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the kind of disarray and mess of the front office where. You know, back when Magic was running things, and even to this point, but like they obviously tried to get uh, Anthony Davis during the season, and were ready to bet the farm and including the ushers that show folks to their seats in the arena to get Anthony Davis, and the Pelicans said no. Now you go, okay, well they got Anthony Davis, they didn't get any of the other big free agents. I don't know what it's going on with that front office, but I kind of want to hedge it up to they put all their eggs in one basket and didn't focus on anything else when traffic passed them by. I, that's a perfect analogy. Because at this stage, my grade for the Lakers, which I know I might catch some heat for, I have to give a B minus. Yeah, no, like the Anthony Davis thing is good, and that will help. Yeah. And they will be good with Anthony Davis. We're not slighting the brow by any stretch of the imagination. They could have done so much better, though. Well, they needed to add more parts Yeah, that worked to balance the team out. And they gave up a lot to get Anthony Davis. I get that. Right. It's like you got all the parts for a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. It's just you're missing a few key Crucial ingredients. See, I mean, I B minus is, I think, friendly. I gave him C plus. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that if Anthony Davis can stay healthy, and I know there's been questions if he can do it for an entire right. season. That, well, that's the other thing too. Not only did you trade a bunch of assets away right. to get Anthony Davis, the guy also hasn't played any eighty two games, let alone mm-hmm. in the seventies. Yeah, right. So that's the question now you have with him if he can stay healthy. And LeBron, I mean, obviously, he's taking more rest time. So who knows what's going to happen well, there? And he also missed a bunch of time last season because of injuries. Right. So I, this is going to be a very interesting thing to watch with the Lakers. But to get beat out by your neighbors in the same arena, this is to just definitely be as damaging, I would say, as the Knicks losing out 
to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn. Oh, see, I was going to wait for that. I want to leave us enough time to talk about the Knicks, but I real quick, I want to talk. Uh, New Jump Orleans. in now, man. Well, hold on. I want to mention New Orleans is definitely the Pelicans are going to be a very nice team. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice mm-hmm. team. That trade that they got back, I know Ingram's health is a little bit of a concern right now, but hopefully he can bounce back. I've We've talked about him. I've gushed about him. Yep. Him being away from LeBron is going to be the best gonna thing be that's going to happen to him. Um, not being negative, just saying like like we said, LeBron and him have a similar game, yeah. And LeBron can it just typically overshadowed him. There's nothing he could do. Lonzo Ball is definitely gonna, I think, being away from that whole mess. We don't even need to get into it, but that whole situation will be huge for him and his career. Oh I, yeah, I think all of those young players being away from the LeBron circus in LA is going to help them well, tremendously. I'm oh, talking yeah. about the other Lonzo. Circus well, that's around him, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that with him, you you know you're going to have him down in New Orleans and, you know, let him roam free down there. Yeah, exactly. Because and, because him in front of TMZ or whoever camera yeah. crew is interviewing him all the time, you know, I think causes more distractions than not to that team. And it's, right. and it's like a player playing in New York. You see it a lot where, like, there's a big, heavy media focus. The same can be said for L.A. This could be another scenario where we've seen it in multiple sports. You know, guy gets out of a big media market to a slightly smaller media market that isn't as ravenous, as, as fervorous as a New York or a L.A., and they just flourish beautifully. And then they, the J.J. Redick signing is definitely going to be an underrated move for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Obviously, landing Zion is huge. I say Alvin, Alvin Gentry, you know, head coach of the Pelicans down there, he's got a lot of toys to play with. Yeah, and David Griffin, the general manager, who <laughs> was previously job. with Cleveland, did an amazing job. When are they going to build his statue outside that arena because he needs one? Well, they will soon enough because this team's going to win a championship at some point. Yeah. yeah. If, if they all stay healthy and they all stay focused on this, they're going to win a chip sooner than later. Uh-huh. I'm not going to give you a timetable. It will be sooner than later. And, I mean, yes. not to mention they signed a European star also who was, like, averaging 40 points a game in the Euro League last year, like some stupid Yo. number. So that was also a big signing by them. So, I mean, this team is definitely going to – I would say almost like a Philly esque. Yeah. You know, okay. they're going to they're okay. going to each year make consecutive jumps that eventually they're going to make a playoff run. They're gonna walk before they can run. Right. I'm gonna give them the grade of A minus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, would no, go I agree with that. with that. Yeah. I would I, go with that. I think solid. I think that they are gonna definitely contend. I think that don't doubt them making a small run in this year's playoffs. Oh, yeah, they will. Depending on who they're up against. But they could definitely make some noise. If they land at a – if I was like a, a, the the three or the four, I wouldn't want to see them in the first round. No. Because no. no. if they are the seven or eight, you know, obviously they they play the Clippers. The Clippers are just going to annihilate them. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. The, the, they're going to be good. Uh, if you want to get into the next, we can go there now. No, the Nets first. I'll just touch upon this quickly. In the West, though, Golden State, who has been the perennial favorite, is going to take a step back a little bit. Okay. But I think that with Kevin Durant now off that team, you're going to see a kind of return to form Mm -hmm. from Golden State. I think that the D'Angelo Russell move is going to help them more than it's going to hurt them. And this season is going to be a wash, and I'll just be very honest about this. Without Clay Thompson, they're going to struggle. I think that the D'Angelo Russell would be more important in the second move that they make for him. Yeah. Which I know that they said they're not going to trade him, but they by the deadline, they're going to repackage him. Because if Clay comes back, so ideally Clay can come probably finish out the year, you know, maybe be there for the playoff run. So whoever, what, and now if he doesn't, then I would hold on to D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Because he's going to be vital to that team as far as scoring. Yeah. But if you can't hold on, if, if Clay Thompson comes back, I don't. I see no reason why you don't try and 
you know, package him to ship him out somewhere. It's going to be interesting. Even though, like, a Minnesota, if Minnesota can't get Chris Paul and they need a point guard desperately, you know, with Jeff T coming, you know, with only one year left at eighteen million and you know, thirty three years old, I I could definitely see like a Robin Covington type, you know, move back for D'Angelo Russell. That would be a very good trade for them. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes around. Like I said, the trade deadline. Who yeah. really needs a point guard? And who's, well, December fifteenth, the earliest, and then yeah, the trade deadline. Yeah, like I say, around that point, you're going to see something. If they know that Clay is coming back sooner than later, right? It all depends on what they see happening with Clay. Which I applaud them. They gave him the max contract as he rightfully deserved, mm-hmm. as he deserved, yes, as he deserved. So Golden State, like I said, is going to take a little step back this season. I don't see them really contending too much, but they're gonna they're they're gonna be playing, and obviously the new arena, they're gonna be yeah, oh yeah. really trying to make an impression. I said, up. if you really think just because Kevin Durant is gone that Steph Curry is done winning NBA championships, you are out of your mind. Absolutely. So the West is going to be kind of more wide open. It's going to have some great storylines. I'm already calling Christmas Day. It's going to be Clippers at Lakers. Oh, for sure. That, that's probably absolutely. That's probably the most like lock you, it in. You have to. Well, so I don't even. I don't even think it matters who's going to be home team for that because obviously the Lakers do the mood lighting, the kind of dim lighting, and the Clippers do the standard lighting. I don't care who's the home team. I think no matter what, the out the Staples Center folks are going to go ah, mood lighting. No matter what, it's going to be ratings, folks. Oh, for sure. That three. Yeah, they get the three thirty game. They for get, sure. They get Michael Buffer to do the uh, introductions for the game. And I'm, I'm big watching. Fight, big fight feel. They can definitely do that because out west is going to be wild. And to the east, Coach, I know you've been chomping at the bit. Let's get at it. Where do you want to go first? Do you want to go Brooklyn or do you want to go? We can go the Knicks first just to get it out of the way. All right. Well, I, maybe we should leave enough time for the Knicks because, I, I mean, I, I haven't been here, so I got a lot to go. All so right. well, we'll I, go Nets. Well, we'll I, go will, Nets. I will even say I don't even think the Nets had the best offseason no. in, no. in the east. I whatever no. yeah whatever Brooklyn I don't care you it, good for you Kevin Durant out for the year Kyrie Irving by himself on his lonesome you talk about culture building and you know oh we've we've re, we've we're respiriting the Nets okay all the guys that you did that with are gone. Yeah. So it's a whole new culture, and Sean Atkinson's got to start all the way from scratch again with this whole entire roster. And then you talk about the fact that all right, yeah, well, you got DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Okay, good for you. You have you got Jared Allen, and now he's going to sit the bench for DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan's friends with Kevin Durant, so that's the that's the route that you went with. What are okay? This is just got just disaster written all over it. And like originally when this move hit, it was like okay, the game has changed, and then we're hearing about more drama involving mm, yeah. their the Brooklyn's newest acquisitions that. Can they play together on the court, and what is this going to, you know, shape up to be? Because we hear about everything that happened with Kyrie in Boston, right? And just how that team, which he was put in charge of, a young team, it was his team, and look at what happened. Well, saying if you want a summary, uh, it was more doom and gloom than rainbows and sunshine. Karis Levert mildly is a very fine player and a very good player, and Joe Harris obviously. Surprised a lot of people last year with the success that he had. Mm-hmm. But then you look at all the other players, Demar Carroll, D'Angelo Russell, all those guys, all the, and uh, Hollis Jefferson, uh, Hollis Jeffers, they're all gone. Yep. So this is not the same Nets team that you had last year. Right. So now you're literally looking at the fact that you got Kyrie Irving, who in Boston was detrimental to this team. And I, mind you, 
Boston with Kemba Walker is going to be newsflash a okay. They're going to be fine. In they're going to be a okay. Yeah, they might win a game or two. Yeah, I mean they're going to be fine. Yeah. So if any, if anything, Kemba, I know everybody says it's a regression. If anything, it's just a step sideways. Yeah, it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move. So now Kyrie is going to be on this team with DeAndre Jordan, Karis LeVert, you know, all these young players, or DeAndre Jordan, obviously older, but Karis LeVert, Joe Harrison, obviously younger players. It's right back to where he was in Boston. Yeah. So, all right, yeah, yeah you got KD waiting in the wings, but that's going to be a year. It's going to be a year, and plus, let us be honest, and I'm not wishing anything bad on KD. We don't know how he's going to come back from sure. this injury. Yeah, yeah. And he was deserving of a max contract. I don't fault that. No. But the question now becomes, is he going to be the KD of old? Because as we've seen, with the Achilles injury, it is extremely tough to come back and be at 100% of who you were before said injury. And, so, and you see injuries in other sports where it's to a very integral part of their game. The one I can think of most often is uh, Tommy John surgery for pitchers in baseball. You know, throwing baseball very integral for a pitcher. The thing you see a lot of times with uh, Tommy John surgeries, okay, they're out a year, but then it's at least another half a year to a year before they're even close to where they were before, and that's if they ever are. Right. I mean, so Kobe and KD, the last two people to tear their Achilles and come back and play, two totally different games. You know, yeah. Kobe obviously only being six six. You know, not long armed like you know KD is. So. Kobe needed that explosiveness and obviously took a step back when he came back from that Achilles tear. Durant doesn't isn't the explosive player that Kobe needed to be because Durant at the end of the day is six ten, yeah, with a seven plus arm span, so he can shoot over the top of guys. So the fact that he tore this you know part obviously is going to hurt him in his game, but it's not going to affect him the same way as it would other people that were you know based on explosiveness. So. All right, you have to wait a year for him to come back, though. Mm-hmm. And what do you what are you going to do in the meantime? This team is not good enough as constructed today yeah, to right. be uh, an East contender. No, no, not with the way that Boston is. And Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee is prime and ready to go. Giannis, uh, he had his press conference last year in the Deer District or yesterday in the Deer District. Yeah, which which I totally loved the com- and he's he's amped up to go, and I think that. He they Milwaukee kept most of their parts. I know they they did lose a couple players in the offseason. Yeah. But they kept most of their talent together. They're going to contend and obviously when you have the reigning MVP in your city, oh, yeah. it's going to make some moves happen. And oh, not yeah. to ma- and Philly's still right there too. Philly in my opinion had the best offseason getting Al Harford. Okay. And Interesting it, take. It, like like I said, for, like I said the Clippers had the overall from from everybody, but in the East I thought Philly did. Philly got the one component they needed. I mean, Al Horford is not going to push the needle for me. See, for me, losing I, JJ Reddick hurts. I it does hurt, but I think that that gives Embiid something to balance off with for their defense. Like I, I think Horford's going to be the tipping point for him. I the, really defensively do. it does help, but the problem is Ben Simmons. <laughs> if he doesn't have a jump shot, then this is all null and void. Well, that's going to be the the X factor they need to figure out, but because like, Embiid needs to be in the paint, he can't be hanging around. He is a as dominant as he is a seven footer. He cannot be hanging around the three point line as much as he was last year. Right, and I don't think he's going to now. I think with Hor- Horford down there with him, I think that that's going to change their offense up. I mean, it will, but at the same time, though, Ben Simmons occupied. The problem was it wasn't the fact that they had, you know, they had Tobias Harris playing the four last year. Mm-hmm. So Al Horford playing the four, he still can spread the floor. The problem is, what do you do with Ben Simmons? Yeah, that's the problem. 
And I think Simmons, though, is going to address this. I, I do. Like, I think I, he has to. Yeah. You have to. Well, I think that now with Jimmy Butler gone and going to Miami, right. It he I think he understands this pressure, and especially if you just gave him a max contract like you did today. Well, right. You need to produce. And the, the, and the other thing that hurt Philly was they lost Boban. Right. And that hurts me because that hurt Tobias Harris, and that's sad. Oh, man, why you got to go Crushing. There? It was crushing to see that on Twitter. It, it, it was. It was really heartbreaking. But we'll rebound. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, Tobias will be fine. They're, they're, I'm sure they'll text. Yeah. You know, they'll be good. But it just from the standpoint of their, they, they had very funny, they had some funny YouTube con- content out and, there. And you never know if he's going to get traded back. We'll, <laughs> yeah, right? We'll to see. Like if Tobias Harris like starts out in a huge slump and they're like, all right, December 15th, Dallas, we got to get him back. What do you want? Yeah. Never say never, folks. It's the NBA. It's wild. It happens out there. But, all right. But, let's but let's for, get the main event. But here we go with the Knicks. Get your popcorn ready. Coach, I know you've been chomping at the bit to go about this. The Listen, floor is yours. All right. So <laughs> it wasn't what we wanted. <laughs> I mean, it started draft night, and it was all just downhill from there, right? I mean, that was painful. Uh Listen, R.J. Barrett is going to be okay. His summer league performance obviously revamped itself, you know, towards the end of the year. Like the guy said, he hadn't played basketball, you know, competitively for three months. Mm-hmm. What do you want him? I mean, what do you want the guy to do? All right, I understand that people have had, you know, better summer league performances in their first game, but he's nineteen. I mean, and you heard similar comments come out of Coach K today, where he was talking about Zion shouldn't have been playing in the summer league to begin with because he, to Coach K, he didn't look in game shape, yeah. physically or mentally. You gotta think about that. Like they're they're on a whirlwind press tour, probably difficult to get runs in as far as like five on five scrimmages. Not to mention the fact that you probably don't want to risk anything. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably yeah. kind of laying low once your workouts are done. You know, until the draft, until you sign that contract. So. All right, he came out rusty the first two games. He obviously bounced back. I thought Kevin Knox played great the entire Knox summer league. Great. The problem now, though, is with this gluttony of power forwards that the Knicks have signed. That's Kevin Knox's natural position. Well, what I think they're going to wind up doing, and like I say, I applaud the Knicks for this factor, that they didn't go into panic mode. Not at all. Trying, Not at all. Trying to compete with the Nets and go out and overpay for a max contract free agent. Right. I mean, you can you can say what you want about the Randall contract, but... Yeah, but it comes off the books in three years anyway. Yeah, so I'm not really phased by that. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world as some in the media have said it is. Not at all. But you do have a lot of forwards. You just got Marcus Morris. Who, yes, who which, I actually logged a lot of minutes at the three. Yeah. So there's a potential that he might slip in there. And he's already been used to coming off the bench in Boston anyway. Right. So he'll slip right in right there. And I thought it was very interesting that he wanted to leave San Antonio and come to New York. Now, am I saying that this is going to be the free agent that makes the culture change and everybody wants to come play in New York? No. Well, I think at the same time, I think the Knicks were – I think I think San Antonio was only giving them like $8 million. It was something. But, yeah. But, so. but either way – the Knicks now are loaded at power forward. I think they are going to make a deal somewhere. Would it make sense for Chris Paul? Maybe. And I'll stress, maybe. Is he going to be the answer for all our problems? No. I will be the first one to tell you no. But what I think the Knicks did is they were smart and they didn't go crazy with a max contract. And the fact that KD and Kyrie did not want to come to play in the Garden, that they want to go to Brooklyn where it's less pressure, and then if they don't win, well, hey, it's all right. We're in Brooklyn. This was very telling. But I think for the Knicks, okay, we didn't go crazy in the offseason. We had our chance. We didn't get the big free agent to come to New York. We still have a nice young team. 
and Barrett's going to need to develop. Let's be honest. Are we talking chip this season? No. But they have a nice young team to build off of. Where they go from here is going to be the question. So for them, I mean, obviously they're off season. I have to say a C minus because you you didn't go crazy, but you didn't. Did you really improve yourself to make yourself a playoff contender? Uh, absolutely, in this East, definitely. Well, in this, I I like as currently constructed today. I love the way that this roster is set up from the standpoint of all right, yeah, they have a gluttony of power forwards, but there's only minutes are going to go a certain way, you know, a certain way. So when you think about it, you know, probably Dennis Smith Jr. starting at the point mm-hmm. with either Trier or R.J. Barrett starting at the two. Probably going to be RJ. I'm gonna guess. I know that Woodson, you know, was hesitant on starting Knox last year, so that's why I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know what he'll do there. But if he does go RJ, that's fine. Yep. I like it. Knox at the three, Randall at the four, and then Mitchell Robinson at the five. And then your bench is Bobby Portis, Damian Dotson, who just got his contract extended today, Trier. Who is a six? Who is a Lou Williams esque player in in the making? You yep. know, and then you have Frank Nilakina, who listen, we'll be I gone. Know, we'll be gone. I know, I know, is not a strike fear in you, but he is still a very fine defensive player who this team needs at a, at the guard position because R.J. Barrett right now is just a half a step too slow. Dennis Smith Jr. is just not a good defensive player. Period, mm. and. And Trier is not either. Damian Dotson's all right, but you know, still. And then you sign um, Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson, who is a very good locker room presence. Yeah, he probably not going to get minutes, but he's a very good lock. You know, locker room presence. Marcus Morris to come off the bench, mind you too. So then you have that. You got Pazingas uh, or Paz. I don't even know how to say that name. I mean, but you got him coming out of Michigan, mm-hmm. so that's fine. And he. Played Ignis played yeah. very well in summer league. Yeah, he. he I mean, he off. had thirty-one points in a game, yeah. and was like it was like thirteen of fifteen shooting. So sign me up for that, you know. And then, so they've got a young team, and and Alfred Payton at the point too. So he's going to compete with Dennis Smith Jr. So this team is decent enough with the fact that Kawhi Leonard left Toronto. Mm-hmm. Boston is where they are. Toronto are. Uh, uh, Brooklyn is obviously where they are. Miami is probably going to be on the way up, but they lost to sign Whiteside. That's that going to be a huge, huge blow. That was huge. I, I mean, I know that they gave him that you signed him to that contract. Yep. So at the end of the day, that was on you. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to get rid of that contract, you did. But I mean, he's a very good center, and you know Orlando's kind of man. You know they're kind of on the way up too. So and Detroit too. You know who snuck in as the eighth seed last year, but obviously Blake, Blake Griffin was hurt. So this team, as the way that the Knicks are currently constructed, I could see them six or an eight seed this year with the way that the East is right now. It could happen. It just depends on how these young players develop. But I like Fizdale as the coach. Exactly. He'll he'll get the most out of them. Exactly. And that's why I say they're going to be fine for a little bit. I mean, do they have the big free agent coming to New York? No, but that's fine as long as they compete and they look like a team. Well, the other thing is too is what they did with these two year you know contracts is these guys still need to stay hungry. Yeah, like they're not signed to these four or five year deals, so it's not it's like it's cushy. They need to stay hungry, and that's Noah Vonleh is a perfect example of somebody who came to New York with his career on the on the downward slope, 
had a great year last year, and now signed a pretty decent contract with Minnesota. So that's exactly what can happen to these guys. Bobby Portis is a perfect name that comes right to my head right now as a guy who is going to be a backup center probably to Mitchell Robinson, and it's on him to get his next to secure his next contract. Yeah, and he can definitely do that by having a good year this year, next year with the Knicks, and then go on his merry way. It's going to be interesting to see how they play this off, but I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Signing them for only two years, except Randall was three years. Rand- yeah, Randall was the only one who got three, right. but that was a player option for the third year. Right. Which he'll definitely, he's not going to not take that. Yeah, he's not going to not take yeah. that money. For them to do just the two-year deals is smart, and it definitely will keep them more focused on winning, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, they can definitely beat Brooklyn right now, and, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and even with Taj Gibson, they're still under the age of 30 as a team. Yeah. So they still they have a very nice young team to do. Like I said, they're going to move some parts. I think Frank is good as gone though. Like I'm, I'm convinced he's going to get dealt somewhere. I, uh, so with those two Dallas picks and what they have as far as their assets, I I don't see why they don't package something like maybe a Taj Gibson, Frank, and then a couple first to move on. But yeah, they they they're I like Dennis Smith Jr. It's just he's not the point guard for this team. Yeah, they're going to have to go out and get somebody. So to wrap up this segment, obviously we kind of gave you our grades of who we thought was the contenders right now. So I know it's way too early in the season to give your predictions, but who's your two teams in the finals and who takes home that chip? Boston Clippers, Clippers in six. Pad? Clippers, Bucks, uh, Clippers in seven. For me, it's Clippers and Sixers, Clippers in six, without question. I think Horford's going to help Philly get there. I really do. Yeah, I, you're I, really high on this Horford I'm, thing, I'm sold man. on it, man. I, I, I think that he was the missing piece they needed to do, and he's going to play just – that team is going to look like a totally different team with him there doing defense next season. I, I truly I truly say it. But is it just me? Am I not high on Horford? Do uh, I just dislike him that much? I mean, I'm not I, I'm not high on him either. It's, I mean, my it's, God. It's a, it's a am good, I missing something? It's a good move. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're going to put him over the moon. Maybe it's the Florida Gator fan. In I, it's got to be the I, homer there, you know man. Yeah, that's what it is. is. But, All right. but I'm sticking to my guns. I, I still say it's going to be Philly and it's going to be the Clippers because as long as everybody stays healthy for the Clippers – it's their division to run, and until somebody shows otherwise, good luck seeing somebody else take that. If chip. they sign David Lee to a year deal this year just to bring him off the bench, would that push the needle for you too? Nah, not so much. <laughs> what about Joakim Noah? <laughs> nah, no, no, nah, no. Nah. Horford's always been my guy. All right, Hor- Horford, All right. Can, Horford can play defense and play elite defense. When he gets to Philly, you watch and see, watch and see what happens. All right. But definitely hit us up on our social media and let's continue this conversation, shall we? Hit us up, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on the current state of the NBA? Who won, who lost, who's going to be your prediction to win the chip going into the season? I know we're months away, but hey, let's talk about it now, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast Pad. Kick us off with that local minute. Well, of course, we got to talk Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They're coming off that uh, brief break they had for the uh, Eastern League All-Star Game. 
Uh, they won the, uh, their first game back against Portland, won the, uh, a doubleheader on Friday the 12th uh, against Portland, lost their game on Saturday, and won their game on Sunday to win the series. Uh, looking ahead to this week, they return home Monday on the 15th to start a three-game series against Reading uh, before they go back on the road to Akron, and then uh, they don't return home again until the 25th of June for a four-game series against Bowie. Uh, for more information, bingrp.com. Coach, you got some Binghamton Bulldogs news yeah, out here. Yeah, we got some Bulldog news in the offseason here. They have announced that they will be playing their games at St. Patrick Church in Binghamton. Okay, so they're moving from Davis College. Moving which was... from Davis College, which obviously some controversy as far as what's going on there with Davis College. So, But they have found a home venue for their regular season games at St. Patrick Church, which a newly uh, renovated. Is newly renovated. Yeah, Davis College was sold, so um, we're not sure exactly what's going on there. So just to explain what controversy is there. Yeah. So they're going to be leaving. So obviously the Bulldogs needed a new home, and St. Patrick's Church is going to be where they're going to be playing their regular season games. And obviously, it's going to be Bulldog season sooner than later now. Yeah, I mean, it's right around the corner. They're, they're kicking off their season here soon. So October 9th, I think they announced, was the first night. So right around the corner. Yeah. God, so it, it's only, Yeah. I mean, we're almost at the end of July here. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely crazy. Bulldog season is going to be going on. So, so many things going on in the 607 with that. And I guess, like, I'm just going to throw a curveball with the local minute here because our favorite band from Texas, Fair City Fire, who you hear the intro song for the ODPH Sports Podcast every week. They're actually going to be in town playing Saturday night at Ransom Steel Tavern. And our buddies Floodlands and Shout Out the Robots are going to be playing as well, too, in town at, at Callahan Sports Bar or Sportsman's Club. So it's going to be a big night of music with the show with the music you hear on the ODPH podcast this weekend. So if you can make it out, we have the links to both shows on our Facebook page. So make sure to check that out. So shall we round those bases, gentlemen? Yeah. Uh, going to lead us off here. Uh, lead us off intentionally, pun. Uh, Got to talk a little bit of baseball. Of course, they had their all-star game uh, this past week. Uh, shout out to Cleveland for a really great couple of days uh, out there in the Midwest. You know, uh, great festivities, great game, too. The American League ended up winning 4-3 to three with uh, hometown pitcher Shane Bieber uh, winning the MVP for striking out the side for the inning he pitched. Uh, Got to give a special shout out to the way they handled handled uh cc sabathia in his final season of course he pitched a number of years and won a cy young out there if i'm not mistaken out in uh, cleveland you know didn't you know throughout the first pitch uh, didn't pitch in the game but they brought him out in the ninth inning when his teammate aroldis chapman was pitching and, he, and you could if you watch the clip if you can find it you see him mouth oh, i'm just making sure you're okay and they deliberately sent him out so that he could go back and go out there and get a you know a final curtain call from the folks there in Cleveland. I gotta say the other cool moment they had is uh, every year for the last I want to say maybe five plus years they've had a moment for uh, the the organization they work with stand up to cancer mm. where everyone in the in the uh, stadium players and umpires and, and crew from the baseball or from the TV broadcast stand up with a little sign saying I stand up for and then somebody they know that has been affected by cancer. Uh, you know, family members, friends, what have you, coworkers. The awesome thing was all of the Cleveland Indians uh, had Carlos Carrasco, their pitcher who was recently diagnosed with leukemia. They had his nickname on their cookie uh, because obviously is 
Some of you may know he was recently diagnosed with leukemia, so that was a cool moment. Uh, some other ba- interesting baseball stuff. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, also I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, pa- passed away, unfortunately. Uh, the Angels, in their home return after the All-Star break, uh, had an opportunity to pay honor to him with the cool thing they did was they every player in that organization and manager and, and coach and all that was wearing his name and his number on their jerseys for that night. His mother threw out the first pitch and then they proceeded to throw a combined no hitter so that was giving me goosebumps all sorts of ways and then i gotta give a special shout out to the tampa bay rays for almost throwing baseball history as far as anyone can tell and baseball goes back a long way so there's a lot of stats to look through as far as anyone can tell there has never been a combined perfect game but Darn it if the Rays didn't try last night. Uh, the Rays were playing the Baltimore Orioles and took a com- – now the Rays obviously the last couple of years or last year started this whole th- notion of an opener where they have a pitcher come in, pitch maybe one or two innings before bringing somebody else in. Uh, they they have been using that this year as well. Well, they took that and then proceeded to almost throw a combined no-hitter. And as far as anyone can tell, that has never been done in baseball. So i got to give a shout-out to the Rays for finding something in baseball that has never been done before and almost doing it. Yeah, it's definitely wild to see, you know, that happening and with the Angels too. I mean, that's just so like interesting just yeah. to, just to see the coincidence with yeah. like, you know, the the date and the and the run scored and all that. I mean, it's yeah. an unfortunate oh, reason it happened, but wild but it's just stuff. absolutely yeah. crazy to see how like all that timed in together. Mm-hmm. And obviously our, our you know, condolences out to his his family his, and everybody else who knows him, yeah. Absolutely. Coach yeah, the uh, Premier Lacrosse League, lacrosse for a minute here, guys, on the show, okay. uh, has their all-star game coming up on Sunday, July 21st at uh, 8 o'clock. They will be playing out in Los Angeles. It is Team Rambo versus Team Batiste. Uh, it's going to be on NBC Gold, unfortunately, so you have to have the subscription in order to see the game. But, I mean, if you do have uh, gotten the sports package and everything, uh, enjoy the game. It should be a fun time of lacrosse. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, all-star games are always different because, you know, typically they're for fun, so guys don't want to get hurt. But hopefully that this is, you know, the first year for the league that they will come out and have a competitive, rigorous all-star game. I just want to see them do trick shots they can't do in the normal games. There is a skill competition that will air briefly after that at 1030. So if you can stay up that late on a Sunday night, that's there for you, Pat. Make sure to go check that out. So for my round in the base, you know I like talking UFC on here. Mm -hmm. And dare I say, the fountain of youth has found one Uriah Faber. California love. Yes, 40 years old, did a 40. 40 years young. 40 years young. Oh, there you go. Well played, sir. Decisively knocked out Ricky Simone. And and this was obviously flying under the radar, too, because we we just came off the John Jones big pay-per-view card. And for Uriah Faber, obviously nobody knows what was going to happen at this stage in the game. And, and oh. like I said, Ricky is pretty much a younger version of Uriah. So yeah. this one, you didn't know what were going to happen. But for a 40-second knockout. Right. And I got to give Uriah Faber, too, a little bit of credit because, yes, he knocked out Ricky Simone in 40 seconds. He did a great job in his post-fight interview of really, like, pumping the kid up and, like, listen, I might have knocked this kid out, but he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, obviously classy as, as always. and. He obviously made a call out to one Henry Cejudo, <laughs> which I need to see that fight. I yeah. I understand yeah. rankings, I understand everything, but yeah. Uriah Faber looked amazing in this fight. I mean, in that bantamweight division is kind of wide open right now. 
I mean, Alamein Sterling should get the title shot, but if it's somehow that doesn't happen, yeah. I mean, you could throw Faber in there, and I, that definitely generates some headlines. So it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. It was a great night of fights at UFC Sacramento. And then going into this weekend, we have Rafael Dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards mm-hmm. on a fight night. And this one definitely is going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, of course, in the welterweight division, they're headlining the card there. Which the welterweight division has been making some noise as of late. So mm-hmm. this one should be a lot of high action. I like Dos Anjos in this one. I think he's looked very good as of late. And, I mean, he came off that impressive win last fight. And going into this one, I think he's going to do more of the same. Let's say some more interesting, rather intriguing fighters uh, fighting on this card. You've got Alexi Olnick fighting Andre Arlovsky and then Ray Borg and then Raquel Pennington also fighting on this card. Yeah, so it's a pretty good card to check out, so make sure to do that. And that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Go next. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Hashtag ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time.